You are listening to Bridget Masinga on the Station of the Year. You know, yeah, uh, we have so much fun off air that you guys don't understand. Um, we are talking to Samge Mshongo, who's the founder and the chief executive of the next chapter with Wealth Partners. Good morning to you, Samge. How are you? Samge? I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, as I was saying, we have so much fun, you know, behind the scenes because you never stop learning, um, you know, even as a broadcaster. And I think to, to some degree, um, in order to be a sort of relatively decent at this job, you have to have a sense of curiosity, but also not take yourself way too seriously. Um, so I was reading the sort of the, the, the first line, the first line descriptive of your book ring phase uh, ring fence which which you've written and it says ring fence is a financial literacy chiclet with psychological and legal terms and and we were literally debating as we waiting to get into the conversation with you with my team to be like what is chiclet <laughs> we're like is that a term <laughs> what does it mean <laughs> genre um chiclet is a genre to um, denotes books or themes or content that is related to females. So it's a chick literacy, just like it's yes. a chick flick that yes. relates to movies. Chick lit is female literature. Well, you know, thanks to Google, we now know. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> yourself, we now know that there is this uh, subgenre terminology um, that is mm-hmm. used. So you are in the world of, of finance. Um, you know, from time to time, I see you pop up on my timeline, uh, being retweeted, uh, sparking discourse. And you, you decided that um, you are going to share your 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 wealth of accumulated expertise by way of of this book um what was the motivation for you what was the the circumstance that led you to saying let me actually pen down uh this chiclet book ring fence um in the famous words of tony morrison if there's a book you wish had been written Mm. and it hasn't been written then you are the one to write it right paraphrasing Mm. of course and um this is a book i wish i had been around at least before i got divorced but Certainly, before I even settled down into a serious relationship, and mm. um, we know that the research shows us that the two events with the biggest negative financial impact on a woman's life is the death of a spouse mm. or life partner and divorce. And so, those two themes are characterized and contained in Rinsense because when I was going through my divorce, um, now eight years ago, mm. as a banker. I realized there was so much I knew in terms of the theory of finance, but the application when it came to child custody battles, um, the splitting of assets, accumulated assets that you thought would naturally uh, accumulate to you, mm. um, you know, alimony considerations. You watch American movies and mm. you think, oh, they need to protect my lifestyle. Mm. And then you get into the South African legal system and they're like, um, excuse me, what act or what paragraph or what clause is that in our mm. own judiciary? So it really was a wake-up call and a slap across the face to me to say, okay, Samke, um, you may know one area, which is the financial theory, but unless you understand the legal framework within which you live, the psychological uh, influences and impact on the way you make your decisions, the one area or expertise alone isn't good enough to give you the outcome you want. Mm. And that's why the book has and is wrapped in stories that highlight 
psychological themes and legal themes because, as a simple example, our relationship with money mm. will impact how we behave with money, even if we are holding the same knowledge and expertise about money. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, you you bring up so many important um you know, aspects of conversation that I'm, I, we, we can definitely delve deeper into. And I think before we even get to, 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 to talking about that, because it is very important, uh, ring fence as a term is one that's used a lot in investment banking. For those who don't understand it, um, can you please just break it down for us in, in the most simplest ways? In the most simplest way, you can think of a ring fence like a utango in Zulu. So it's a fence, like a kraal, for instance, where you fence off your most prized cattle in this kraal. And in the investment banking world, it's around creating a virtual barrier Mm. using special purpose vehicles, using um, different areas of law. So maybe even having a specific uh, company that you register to protect your most valuable assets, income streams, or clients when a company goes through a risky transaction such as a takeover or entering new markets. Mm. And so ring fence in this case is used as a call to action to women to ring fence themselves and their financial and psychological well-being when going through the risky transactions of life, which is basically adulthood. So it touches on career themes, you know, sexual harassment in the workplace. It touches on how we see a rise in domestic violence when women actually earn more than their spouses. We've tended to only push um, 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 financial wellness and independence as the antidote to domestic abuse. Mm. But a 2021 study by the National Australian University showed that women that earn more than their partners um, actually have a 35% higher chance of being victim to domestic violence. And this is true across those societies where masculinity is closely tied to being the provider in the home. So now you're upsetting the identity and Mm. the defined roles in a home structure. And if we don't, um, concurrently to pushing financial um, independence, if we don't push the negotiation Mm. of the roles in the home now when we're changing this traditional fabric, then you'll have instances such as a rise in domestic violence. And one could argue that this is why we're seeing a rise in South Africa as well. Mm. Very interesting, um, de- definitely very interesting sort of uh, themes and um, and conversations that you are tackling here because a lot of the time we don't we don't think about it. I mean, as you're talking now about how you know we perpetually um, reinforce that financial. Um, financial sort of freedom leads to independence, leads to, um, you know, options, leads to all kinds of things. And we preach this all the time, but we never think about, you, you know, what happens in the converse, as you've just brought up in the study. Um, we, we never think about what, and that's very much a psychological thing. It's, it's very much a, um, a socialization thing, but tied to um, a tangible financial way of being and and we don't have these conversations we certainly don't have these conversations amongst ourselves as women uh let a, let alone intergenerationally in south africa alone exactly um not intergenerationally not um intergenderly if we yeah. can put it that way um we've just celebrated international women's day last week and again i was disheartened when i saw conversations 
amongst women, between only women, about women, when we know that we need the man on the female agenda. Mm. Um, And we know that we need to bring in our men to actually showcase their voices, their opinions, and not merely um, place them as the other Mm. that's making enemies of them, Not because not all men are enemies of you know, the female agenda. And again, I must reiterate, the female agenda is not one that says we want to be men or we want to be like men. No, no. Mm. We are saying we want to fully be able to express our ourselves as females just as the men have the freedom to. Mm. So we want equality of freedom and opportunities. We don't want to wear the pants. We're very happy wearing skirts if we want, dresses if we want, or the freedom to wear pants if we want. But we want freedom, equality and freedom to chase our careers, to um, have families, to even have different roles where it's in the home. I'm the one that's stronger in their earning capacity. Mm. Then are you okay with you falling back in your career to look after the children and the running of our home? Mm. These are conversations that we are most oftentimes thrust into by circumstance. Um, and we'll know that with uh, COVID, for instance, where we had a number of men losing their jobs mm. and all of a sudden women becoming breadwinners. I mean, I run a consultancy where I engage one-on-one with individuals as well. Mm. And the psychological impact of a Muslim family where the man is now staying at home and his wife is the breadwinner uh, really is very difficult. And I use the Muslim family as an example of mm. a culture that is so entrenched in the man being the provider, right? Mm. And so you can imagine what that does to him where he feels like I'm no longer the man of the house. Mm. And it brings us as society to then question, what does being the man in inverted commas mean? Because mm. you have the same scenario in Los Angeles, for instance, and you've got a man very casually strolling his child along down the road, taking a job in the morning, uh, a jog in the morning mm. while his wife heads up, a, um, you know, a tech company, for instance. Mm. So it's our understanding, it's our beliefs, it's our socialization. And have we changed that alongside the change in the roles women can play and in the income they can face mm. and what does they can have and what does that mean for the challenges then that we face as society, both coupled up and individually. Yeah. Because how many times have you heard a man say, oh, I can't date you, you're intimidating. Yes. What does that even mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you know, as you as you use the example of, um, you know, a, a, a Muslim uh, or Islamic couple, um, I'm just thinking, and p- please, by way of disclaimer, uh, we, we are no way trying to bash or any one particular religion or any one particular race group or whatever. We're just having an, an open conversation. Um, um, I, I had a conversation with my mother who's in real estate um, and she had a client that a, a young female, Islamic female, um, who, who came through who wanted to buy a separate property from her husband because the relationship was not conducive uh, without divulging too much about their personal uh, integrate, you know, situations, but it was not conducive Mm -hmm. and it was not healthy. Um, And they were married um, outside of community of property, for instance. However, there was a a, a an ethics clause within the real estate agent's um, handbook that prevented them from engaging her in a conversation 
around her buying uh, an apartment outside of her spouse's knowledge. It, so mm-hmm. it caused great debate within the office about, you know, do we facilitate this? Do we not facilitate this? Because here is somebody trying to safeguard her future. Um, and yet there is this ethical clause that is making it difficult for people to help her do that without, you know, someone somehow knowing or it, it just was cause for interest. And, and I and I remember thinking to myself, well, these are the, the conversations that should be tackled societally. These are the, the things that we should be having, even as organizations to go. But why does a clause like that? Why is there an ethics clause worded like that? Uh, within this particular organization to what good is it to anybody you know what I mean sometimes you Mm -hmm. you just have to interrogate those kinds of things Um, what are some of the conversations that you are having with your female clients around the the kind of knowledge that we do have and don't have in terms of safeguarding ourselves and particularly when we're getting into these relationships that are are emotionally psychologically and financially binding because I, I feel like sometimes we don't have these conversations even with, uh, you know, our significant others before we say, yes, I will marry you. <laughs> um, great, great question. And unfortunately, most of the conversations I'm having with my clients, um, conversations where there's already the house is already on fire mm. and we're firefighting. So it's already um, moving. The, the relationship is already bad. And, um, you know, the conversations that are proactive tend to happen with those looking to get married again because they've learned from the mistakes that they made in their first marriage, right? Mm. Um, and I, I love the, the, the use of your word safeguard because that's exactly what a ring fence is. And the actual ring fence thing is to safeguard. And so, um, unfortunately, many of us um, want to safeguard only once um, we've made those mistakes, once we've fallen. You know, uh, the importance of insurance is ever more highlighted once you've had an accident, right? But it's a grudge purchase mm. when you haven't had that accident. And and so these decisions are, are quite similar to that. Mm. Um, and, you know, it is unfortunate, and there are numerous studies around this by the World Bank that have been conducted showing the statistics of, you know, divorce within, uh, within the continent of Africa, and not even divorce, but the death of a spouse as well, what mm. widowhood looks like. And even where divorce is not certain, Widowhood is certain for 80% of women on the continent where Mm. 80% will outlive their spouses or life partners. And so we definitely need to have a conversation around what does it look like when you're no longer around? What does that mean for me? What Mm. does that mean for our children? Um, Because even with the example that you're using of your mom's client not being able to make that purchase, even though legally she's able to because Mm. they're not married in community or property, you see instances around the continent where even where common law mm. says that you can own a property or inherit a property once your spouse passes away, uh, you do find that in especially the traditional areas, uh, rural areas, you find that um, the spouses, the deceased spouses, brothers or family can come and take that property or furniture or business. Mm. And the courts won't get involved because, you know, what goes first, common law or culture and tradition. Um, and so these are really the conversations we need to be having up front as mm. women because we also have, uh, are hypocritical in that we want these conversations down the road when we should be having them up front. Mm. And uh, that is why you also have examples of men saying, hey, women change once you put a ring on it. Yes. And we need to take those words seriously and hold a mirror up to ourselves to say, what is it 
that I'm keeping quiet about, mm. that I only express later on, maybe out of fear of not really then getting this relationship or this marriage that comes with, unfortunately, status. Mm. Marriage is still seen as a status symbol in many areas of our society that comes with safety and security. Am mm. I willing to have this relationship um, not proceed to marriage or have this man walk away when I say these are my expectations mm. of a husband of marriage throughout the longevity and the maturation of the relationship. Yeah. Samge, I mean, I, I definitely think we'll have you back on this show and other shows uh, as we talk about this. Hello. Yes, yes, yes. Can you hear me? Um, that was Samge Mklongo. Hello. That was Samge Mklongo, who is the founder and chief executive of The Next Chapter. Uh, we can hear you, but I think there was a little bit of a break in our transmission. And we'll definitely have her back again. Um, uh, riveting conversations, frank conversations that need to be had between men and women alike. Just in, you know, understanding finances and the legalities around it. Uh, let's take a quick one and then we come back with the uh, nine o'clock news.